This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. This is episode number 419 on Tuesday, the 16th of November, 2021. So Norman, we've talked a lot on this show before about states that have had outbreaks of COVID. We've spoken a lot on this podcast, Norman, about Victoria uh, and New South Wales. And so when they were having an outbreak and then we've been returning to this or coming towards returning to restrictions lifting and people getting freedoms back and those freedoms were were prioritising people who were vaccinated, that's a transition that kind of makes sense, that you go from a series of harsh restrictions to something that's easing because the threat is easing. But it's kind of different in other states where there's been nothing and then we're looking at opening borders and opening and easing restrictions on COVID coming in when it's actually been fine up until now. And South Australia is only a week away from starting to do that. It's one of the first states, which is like a, a non-COVID state, that's looking at easing these restrictions. And Michelle has written into us about this saying that she's in South Australia, the state that Norman hates the most, as previously discussed on Friday's episode. Not true, not true, not true. <laughs> We've been so used, says Michelle, to ha- to being afraid of having even one case. And now with the borders opening, we're planning on having COVID in the community. And she says it's so scary sitting and waiting and counting down to having all these cases. Her kids are Some of her kids are too young to be vaccinated. How can we live with this fear and stay positive? The kids know it's coming and they're not protected. And it's hard to reassure them that they'll be okay. Let's just take it piece by piece. So South Australia opens its doors uh, to people coming back next, next Tuesday, Tuesday, a week today. And it'll do that when it's almost 80% of the population 16 plus and the 12 plus, 12 to 15 year old age group is getting steadily immunised. The best protection is to be immunised. And I appreciate if you haven't been immunised in South Australia, you're, you're rushing a bit to get yourself covered. But don't forget the second dose. Just get in there for your second dose as soon as you're told that you're eligible to do so. And then you're pretty well covered. South Australians have had a big opportunity to get immunised, and that is great protection. And 80% is roughly where New South Wales opened up with quite a few cases, and with several hundred cases. I mean, I can't remember how many they had. 80% when September 10th or so. I mean, it really was quite a lot of cases that New South Wales had at that point, and they opened. They would. They they actually lifted their restrictions, which means the virus could circulate much more freely potentially than previously. It hasn't seemed to have spiked there the way we thought it might. The world did not come to an end, and it was vaccination rates that held. And remember what was happening in New South Wales, and this is the lesson for South Australia and Western Australia and Tasmania and Queensland is that in in New South Wales and Victoria, you had rapidly escalating vaccination rates. So 80% was just a transient stop along the way. In fact, it wasn't a stop at all. If if I take you back to New South Wales, they said they were going to do this at 70% and that at 80% in terms of lifting restrictions. I mean, New South Wales, to all intents and purposes, is back to normal. People wear masks um, indoors in public areas and retail and on public transport. Um, and there are, there are almost no restrictions left in New South Wales. It feels back to normal, and Victoria is starting to feel that it is getting back to normal. And that should give people living in those states which haven't had COVID some pause to relax a little bit about it because it's not necessarily going to be a disaster. 
particularly in South Australia, because the opening plan that Nicholas Spurrier and the Premier have outlined in South Australia is a very slow and steady process of lifting internal restrictions. So there's still going to be a lot, a lot of mask wearing, a lot of test trace, isolate and quarantine, even though what they're saying is that if you're fully vaccinated, you're only going to go into limited quarantine if you're a primary contact, and they're going to loosen up the definition of a casual contact. But nonetheless... South Australia is not throwing all that out. It's going to keep the brakes on to some extent internally so that when it does come in, it doesn't go rampant. You don't need modelling to show you what's going to happen is Victoria has opened up steadily at 2,000 cases a day at some point, at, at one point. And it's now turned the corner, heading towards 95%, like New South Wales, 12 plus, it's going to get there. And they're steadily dropping their case numbers each day. So it's not going to go wild in South Australia. And for kids who are under 12, you've got the same dilemma as you have in New South Wales. Maybe you're starting with zero. So it's going to go from zero to you know, a few hundred maybe. And yes, it's going to be moving into those younger age groups. But if people are vaccinated around those young kids, if you've got controls in at school that teachers are fully vaccinated, you've got mask wearing where you can, the risk is going to be relatively low. And it's low anyway when you get into that age group. When I say low, the risk of serious disease is low. The risk of getting infected is, is still there, admittedly. The other states, apart from WA, if I remember rightly, have basically also put out their roadmaps to reopening. Similar sorts of things happening mostly in December. I'm thinking of my own state of Queensland. I know Tasmania is similar. I'm sure they're going to be watching South Australia really closely and see how it plays out there to see what to expect in, in yeah, places that are basically starting from zero and, and how it goes from there. Yeah, South Australia is leading the way in terms of opening up. And I think what South Australia will show is that you can do it with high levels of vaccination, which continue to escalate. You've got to have the foot on the accelerator so that 80% becomes 85%, becomes 90%, becomes 95% and very quickly. So it's something that we did a lot on this podcast last year, Norman, that we haven't really done quite so much in the last few months is a roundup of the sort of research that's coming out showing us about different factors to do with COVID. And there's been one really interesting study that's come out very recently about human milk and antibodies. And this is a question that we get a lot from people who are parents or thinking of becoming parents about whether they're going to be passing their immunity onto their babies through their milk if they're vaccinated or even if they have COVID at the time. So this is a US study which compares antibodies in milk to women who got infected with COVID-19 versus getting one of the mRNA vaccines. And what they found in brief was that the antibodies get into the breast milk, which is what you want, because that's what protects babies. And it's going to be, we're probably never going to get to a stage where babies in the first year of life are immunised. It's going to be 12 months plus probably eventually, maybe six months plus. So you want newborn babies to be protected. And what they studied was 47 um, women who were breastfeeding and measured their antibody levels in the breast milk. And what they found was that, in fact, vaccination gave you a much more robust immune response and a more reliable set of antibodies that were going to neutralise the virus in the breast milk. Compared to having just the disease itself. Compared to having the disease itself can give you quite a variable level of, of antibody which doesn't necessarily neutralise the virus as reliably. So what it does is reinforces that pregnant women do need to be immunised. You need to be immunised 
to protect your child and you need to be immunised to protect your pregnancy and you because if you get COVID-19, it's not very good news. And like you're saying, these are neutralising antibodies. These are things that are going to actually help seek and destroy the virus if, if they come into contact with it. Yeah, if the baby dies, that's right. And then another piece of research about whether people who thought they had COVID actually had COVID. Yes. So this is a study of long COVID, actually, and what they were, and it was in France. And they were following about 26,000 people um, during the COVID-19 pandemic and asking them about their symptoms, um, fatigue, breathlessness, f- foggy brain and so on. And whether they believed that they, comparing that to whether they believed that they'd had COVID-19 and whether they'd actually had COVID-19 as measured by their antibodies. And what they found was that people who had the the full set of symptoms that are attributed to long COVID, quite often they had not had COVID-19. They believed they had, but they didn't have it. The one symptom that was reliably associated with a positive antibody test for SARS-CoV-2, in other words, previous infection, was loss of smell. But the other symptoms weren't. Now, it's not to say that those symptoms aren't associated with long COVID, because there have been other studies showing that if you had the antibodies proven to have COVID-19, there is quite a high rate of those symptoms moving forward. The implication here is that just because you think you've had COVID and have got those symptoms is not a reason to blame it on COVID. And you probably do need to get properly checked up rather than saying going along with fatigue, maybe weight loss or something like that and said, oh, I've had COVID and that's why I'm getting all this. You should go and see your GP and get a proper examination and tests if necessary, because it may all be something else entirely. That's so interesting. But how relevant is that to somewhere like Australia where we've had a lot of testing and actually on balance, not that much of the virus? Well, I think that people can believe if they live in New South Wales or Victoria or maybe even the ACT that there's been enough virus around that they might have caught it. It's probably more relevant to countries like the United States and the United Kingdom where they have very poor testing at the beginning. So even if you wanted to be tested, there wasn't testing available and therefore you kind of had to guess whether or not you had COVID or not. So this is not people who are somehow overly anxious or neurotic and they think, oh, I've had COVID. It's just that they... They've had symptoms like COVID early in the days of the pandemic where there hasn't been testing. I mean, it's hard to imagine that when you live in Australia and testing has been there since almost the get-go. In other countries, it hasn't. And you've kind of got to think, well, I think I might have had it, but you'll, but you'll never know. And we're not doing widespread antibody testing, nor should we. But here they have and find just because you've got those symptoms and you think you've had COVID doesn't necessarily mean that, it's due to, that it is due to COVID. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's Coronacast. But if you've got questions or comments, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast and leave them there. And we will see you without doubt tomorrow. See you then.